If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance, episode 70. And in this episode, I thought I'd discuss the concept of a recession. You might have heard that term thrown around quite often in the media or when you talk to your friends or family about what this COVID-19 crisis will bring to this country economically and how it means and what it means and how it may impact your personal finances. Now, for those of you that are new to the channel, remember, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant, nor am I a financial planner. The aim of this channel is the three E's. Number one, educate. Number two, empower with knowledge. And number three, entertain. Now, make sure you take any financial decisions you want or want to make after these podcasts with your appropriate advisors. Don't listen to some random guy who's goofing on about personal finance on a podcast channel. Now, if you're stuck on what to do, if you don't know what to do with your finances, if you don't know how to handle your personal finances, I think in my humble opinion, there are some simple steps that you can do in order to get you back on track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow and implement today. Step one, the pay yourself concept. That is, take 20% of your after-tax income and put it aside, and that money is your money. That is your money that you've earned. That is your pay yourself money. Step two, invest that money, ideally into something that you understand or want to understand. I just invest in index funds. I'm a great fan of Vanguard because of the low management fees and ease of investment. Step three, reinvest those dividends that are coming through your investments. The power of compounding is absolutely real. Don't cash out those dividends. Number four, do it for the long term. I'm not talking seven, 10, or even 15 years. I'm talking 20, 30, 40 plus years. If you're in your 20s listening to this podcast, imagine how much wealth you would have if you had 40 years of compounding ahead of you. And if you just simply put money aside, that 20% of after-tax income and kept investing it for the long term, you would end up retiring with significant amount of retirement funds. Um, and you might not even need it, but that's the power of compounding and that's the power of investing for the long term. And step five, my favorite, is automate the investment. What does that mean? So to give you an example, if you get paid on a set date, then that night you should take 20% of your after-tax income and put it away and put it into the investment. If you can somehow automate that with recurring payments via NetBank or BPay or whatever it is, or direct debit, then that is the best way to do it, which means you won't forget there's less chance of making a mistake and it's going to happen behind your back without you knowing for the long term and eventually you'll end up hopefully with a lot of money to retire on. Now, if you followed these five steps, in my opinion, you'll have more money than you'll ever need. And remember, money is just the tool. It doesn't bring you happiness. You can use it as a tool to make your life and most importantly, the people around you, their lives much better. So back to the main topic, 
Is Australia due for a recession? I think so, um, and I think we were due for it even before COVID-19 hit our shores. Um, Now, again, like everything in finances, no one knows what the market holds, no one knows what the future holds, so take what I'm going to say with a grain of salt. But I've sort of looked at it from a practical, analytical point of view, Um, and again, I'm not a financial analyst, but I just thought some common sense principles that I've used to come to the conclusion. The question is, when the recession is going to hit, is it going to hit this year, is it going to hit next year? That I'm not sure, but I think in the next 12 to 24 months, I would be extremely surprised if Australia avoids a recession. And if it does, that's fantastic. Let the economic machine work for all Australians. So here's why I think the recession is probably inevitable. Now, we've had 28 or 29 odd years of continuous economic growth. It has to stop at some stage. I think uh, at this stage, we're second only to Holland if I'm not mistaken. So I think if this continues on um, in terms of the um, stretch of uh, positive growth, in terms of um, positive economic growth, I think we will be beating Holland in the near future if this continues on. Now, deficits and rising debt. Uh, We are borrowing money like anything never before. So who's going to pay it all back? Australia is entering into a deficit. We've had huge debts racked up over the last sort of 10 years since the GFC. Um, And also, if you have a look at our unemployment, which peaked at 11% or so in the 1990s when when the last recession hit Australia, since then, the unemployment has been lowest at about 4%, um, and then we're back up to about 5.3% lately. Now, COVID-19, this is is before COVID-19, by the way, but COVID-19 will have a huge impact on the unemployment uh, rate this year. So watch that space. Um, We've also had a terrible, terrible summer in Australia with the bushfire crisis, the cost to the government, uh, the cost to the economy, uh, the cost to tourism. Uh, We've been feeling uh, the pinch quite a lot. And uh, this would have taken away the uh, federal government uh, budget surplus anyway. And of course, the COVID-19 crisis hit around February, which is pretty much the nail on the coffin, I think. Six months of economic downturn in sectors like education, finance, travel, tourism, recreational activities and miscellaneous spending uh, will have a huge impact on unemployment. Um, Certainly in my practice um, as a medical professional, I'm already seeing patients uh, with mental health problems uh, as a result of lack of income, as a result of, um, you know, losing their jobs, as a result of um, having to, uh, you know, manage with uh, limited sources of income, having to go to Centrelink. Um, It's just an absolute nightmare for these people, and I really do feel for them. But it it, it is going to have a huge impact um, on the economy, in my view. Now, the interesting question that I've been asked about in the last couple of weeks is, um, what's going to happen to house prices? Now, I, I just did a little bit of research um, in the last couple of weeks with realestate.com.au and Domain, etc. Just having a look at what house prices are doing um, in Melbourne, for example, and they're holding pretty steady. And in fact, houses are selling irrespective of auctions being cancelled. Uh, a lot of the homes are now being sold for for sale prices and there's private inspections, there's online inspections. So I'm actually quite surprised that people are still keen to buy um, in such an economic uncertain time in Australia. So um, that's fantastic for businesses uh, that are real estate agents, for sellers and also for buyers. So I, I think if you can afford it, I say go for it. But I was actually quite surprised how the um, 
how the real estate prices haven't really tanked very much. But I don't think we've given it enough time. I think, you know, three to six months later, maybe the story might change. I hope it doesn't uh, for the sake of the small businesses out there, but the story might change when it comes to um, uh, real estate investing and real estate prices. Um, now, I think when it comes to real estate also, remember, it also depends on whether people um, are in debt or not. Um, as you probably know, I'm not a great fan of debt. So people in debt will be affected um, if they lose their jobs, but the person or families who are debt-free or debt-minimalized uh, will be relatively safe, in my opinion. And therefore, having an emergency fund, uh, which is a really, really important concept to grasp and also to apply in your own personal finances is extremely important in times of economic downturns and recessions, which brings me to the subtopic of this podcast. What are the three types of emergency funds that I would be recommending everyone to consider? Now, the first type of emergency fund is your $1,000 fund for small expenditures, repairs, etc. The car breaks down, the house needs minor repairs or bills that are a bit too much this month. So if you're staying indoors, for example, for the COVID crisis, your electricity bill might be going up, your internet bill might be going up, your phone bills might be going up, your utility bills might be going up. So your water bills might be going up because remember all of these resources will be using at work in your office space. Now you're using it at home. So, um, you know, you might want to have a thousand dollar emergency fund just in case to account for these extra bills. Um, now, coming back to the main types of emergency funds, which is your three to six month emergency fund, I personally prefer 12 months of emergency funds. And in this segment, I have two types of emergency funds. One is three to six months or 12 months of expenses or three to six months or 12 months of income. Uh, I prefer income because it means you can live your lifestyle for up to 12 months in the event of an emergency, and certainly Australia and the globe is facing the pandemic emergency of COVID-19. Now, I know having three to six months of income or even 12 months of income is quite aggressive and may seem very difficult to achieve, but in my view, it's a safer strategy um, rather than just having for expenses. But having said that, if you had three to six months of income, you know, potentially if you're saving 50% of your income, then that could be amounted to 12 months of expenses. You know, whichever way you want to, you know, toss the coin, I guess, um, you are going to feel comfortable with what you're going to feel comfortable with. So I prefer 12 months of income, uh, but I think at least three to six months of expenses as a minimum. So those are your three types of emergency funds. So just to reiterate, the $1,000 emergency fund for your little expenses that's your liquid cash that's in your bank that you can get straight away and pay off those excess bills or repairs or whatever for unexpected expenses. Then you've got the three to six months of emergency funds, which is either going to be your expenses or three to six months of income. Now, personally, I prefer 12 months of expenses or 12 months of income if you want to start from scratch which is a little bit difficult to achieve. But I think once you've achieved that, it gives you that sense of security, particularly in today's pandemic world. Now to the main topic, what is a recession? In basic terms, it's when economic activity declines over a few months and the decline has to be significant. Uh, now the decline is in real income, unemployment, industrial production, retail sales, and real GDP. Now that sounds like a very blasé definition. So the previously though, it was defined more concretely. It was defined as two consecutive quarters of economic decline. That is a D GDP decline uh, and rising unemployment for two consecutive quarters. 
So for about 300 years, if you have a look at since the Industrial Revolution, which is the 1600s and 1700s, the global economy has been rising consistently. And during this rise, there's been periods when the growth has slowed significantly and declined. But then things improve and they keep rising again. And it's these periods of slowdowns and uh, decrease in production which are called recessions. So recessions, you know, uh, you know, if, if, if you talk to some economists, they say recessions are painful, but are a normal part of a business cycle. So they're characterized by one, businesses failing, two, rising unemployment, three, negative growth. And this leads to some businesses collapsing even. Uh, and this causes major structural shifts as vulnerable industries, firms, banks and technologies fail and are simply just swept away. This then causes a dramatic policy shift from governments, which can literally rewrite the rules for businesses, right? If you have a look at what's happened in the last, you know, four to six weeks in Australia with the shutdowns, the stage three restrictions, social distancing measures, etc. And if you're listening overseas, I'm sure it's happening in your country. And if it isn't, I'd be, you know, asking why not, um, because this COVID crisis is global and not just in one or two countries. So if you have a look at what's happened in the last four to six weeks in Australia, this is exactly what's happened during the COVID-19 crisis. So one morning you wake up and the government says, due to a global pandemic, restaurants can't have eat-ins anymore. One morning you wake up and they say, gyms must close. One morning you wake up and they say public parks must close and playgrounds must close and theme parks must close. So these are just rules which have major, major consequences and upheavals from an economic point of view for the businesses and can literally bankrupt some businesses. So again, the travel ban, the fact that Australia, uh, you know, you, you can't visit Australia during this COVID-19 crisis. And in, in my view, that is the right move to make. Because if we had international visitors uh, or return travellers, then that is the biggest cause and biggest spread of this COVID-19 virus. So, yes, they've shut down the borders. Um, but uh, as a result of that, if you have a look at international airlines such as Qantas, Virgin, um, Singapore Airlines, they've had to cut staff. I think Qantas has cut 80% of its staff. Um, and they're trying to redeploy in other segments. Virgin is on the brink of collapse as a result of this. So just because of this COVID-19 crisis uh, and due to government changes and restrictions, it has had a huge impact on the way businesses are run, particularly those vulnerable businesses that are in travel and tourism industry. Flight Centre is another, you know, terrible, terrible example of what can happen to a business in the event of a pandemic and in the event that the government just chooses to change its regulations and rules and literally happens overnight. So, yes, recessions are painful, and, and I think this is why I think recession in Australia, uh, if we do avoid it, it'd be an absolute miracle. But I think it's coming, and we just haven't had enough time for the economic cycle to hit uh, Australia yet from these restrictions. So, I guess, in a way, as a um, flip side of this, if you have a look at the Australian statistics, you know, what have we had in this country over the last, you know, 10 or 20 years? You know, we're in a very, very enviable position, right? So we've got 28-odd years of economic growth, second only to Holland. We're the world's 14th largest economy. So for a country of 25 million people, we are the 14th largest economy in the world. We've got a AAA rating from all three rating agencies, 
Uh, this just means we're an excellent country to do business with. And we've constantly had 2 to 3% GDP growth, which has been sustained over these 28 years uh, uh, in Australia. And in terms of global debt, in terms of government debt, compared to the United States and other countries, we have relatively low levels of government debt. And in fact, if it wasn't for the bushfire crisis and if it wasn't for the COVID-19 crisis, we would have been in budget surplus. You know, that's what the Morrison government has promised and you'd have to take their word for it. But we would have been in budget surplus. And from a government debt perspective, we don't have much government debt when compared to other countries. I mean, look at the United States. They're in deep trouble. 17 plus trillion dollars in debt. That's just they're just selling their country to the soul. And about 1.5 trillion is actually owned by China. So if you have a look at the Australian recessions in the last uh, two recessions that we've had in the last sort of 40, 50 years, we've had a recession in 1982-83. We've also had a recession in 1990 and 1991. And these are deemed mini recessions. So I guess what causes a recession? So we know the recessions are economic downturns over a period of time and the downturn has to be significant. But what causes recessions? Well, there is multiple theories uh, for what causes recessions, which I found really surprising. Despite all the evidence we've had, no one can really agree on what specifically causes a recession um, as opposed to factors that can lead to a recession. These are the theories that have been modelled over the years. So um, no one can predict it. That's the other thing. And reality is no one can predict a recession and no one really knows how it happens. Uh, it's a retrospective diagnosis. So in other words, you've had a recession and you look back and you say, we've just had a recession or we're entering into a recession. It's not a prospective thing. It's not something that you can predict. Um, so there are a number of theories associated as to what causes a recession. The theories are real business cycle theory, financial factors theory, and Keynesian economics. And there's also other sort of smaller theories as well. But these are the main theories that I'd like to go, uh, go into detail about, if that's okay with you guys. Now, the real business cycle theory is the theory states that the businesses have to go in cycles, and that's for all businesses. So there's a cycle of expansion, there's a cycle of recession, there's a cycle of trough, and there's a cycle of recovery. And this happens to every business. Um, and each of these phases happen as a result of various shocks to the economy. And the shock to the economy can be as a result of a rational market participant, which then has an unanticipated negative shock to the economy. So let's use the economy at the moment and let's tie it in with COVID-19 and how it may affect, uh, you know, how it can sort of bring about this business cycle theory and how a recession may happen in Australia. So in 2019, not many countries saw COVID-19 coming. Uh, Australia thought this was only going to be a problem of Asia. Uh, as SARS was, uh, as other pandemics or sort of epidemics have been in the past, and it's not really going to affect us. So when it started to affect us, the government started to implement rules and restrictions to curb its spread. This was the first unanticipated shock to the economy. So remember when the government, I think in mid-January, said all flights from Wuhan and all flights from China are not allowed to come into the country. So that was the first shock. Um, and that had an unintended consequence of affecting co um, companies like Virgin, Qantas and all the major airlines in Australia um, to basically cut their flights to Asia. 
then they instituted more travel restrictions and then instituted more leisure restrictions um, as the weeks went on. And this means companies and businesses in those sectors had a massive shock to their income. That was an unanticipated shock. Companies weren't prepared for this. Governments weren't prepared for this. This creates a massive shock to the economy and potentially tips the economy into a recession. And that's what the real business cycle theory says. This sort of thing tends to happen in cycles. We have to go through it. And as a result, some businesses will survive. And as a result, some businesses won't survive. So it's a self-cleansing prophecy. Basically, some businesses that are weak uh, won't survive and will be swept off. And new businesses will arise. Um, and other businesses who are strong have great uh, business structures, great policies, procedures, great financial um, you know, um, financial management, they'll survive. Like the big banks, for example. There's no way the big banks are going to go under as a result of this COVID-19 crisis. They've got so much money in the bank. Pardon the pun. Now, the second theory is the financial factors theory, okay? And they're saying that some recessions occur due to overexpansion of credit and high risks taken by individuals or businesses. Now, if you have a look at our history... GFC 2008 was a good example of a financial factors theory causing a recession, a global recession. So let's revisit that, right? So banks lent money to people who couldn't afford it. They did this because of greed and generally the economy was going bank gangbusters, so they thought they could just con people into buying homes that they couldn't afford. Um, those were good economic times. So there's overexpansion of credit. That's what overexpansion of credit looks like. Banks just lending money to people that can't afford it. Then what happened is people couldn't pay their debts, surprise, surprise, because they didn't have the income to be able to service those debts, which resulted in foreclosures, which resulted in banks not getting their monies back, which resulted in major banks collapsing and therefore the economy collapsing leading to a recession. That in itself summarizes the financial factors theory. And lastly, we have Keynesian economics. So this is squarely based on psychological theories. Um, and I think when you have a look at what happened during the Great Depression, the Americans used Keynesian economics in order to try and get out of that sort of recession and depression. And I'll go into the depression uh, segment of this a bit later in the podcast. So what the Keynesian economics theory suggests is that due to the gloom and doom, this has a psychological effect on businesses and people, which leads to less spending, which leads to lower sales, which leads to reduced business income, which leads to reduced manufacturing, which leads to layoffs, and this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that is the Keynesian economics. So I guess if you have a look at what's happening in the stock market, that kind of is kind of like that, where you know in the morning you notice the stock market goes down, people panic, and then more people panic and they sell more, more people panic, they sell more, more people panic, they sell more, and in the end, by the end of the day, you've lost about 10% of your total value of the stock market, and you've sort of realized, why did I panic? Um, because things haven't really changed too much in my personal life, although some of you would argue with all these social distancing measures being undertaken in Australia. So that is Keynesian economics, and that kind of is how the stock market panic sells. So that is some of the theories behind what is a recession, how it can happen, and why Australia is vulnerable to a recession and how it can impact your personal finances. Um, because, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about job security, uh, if you're thinking about emergency funds, 
then yeah, a recession will affect your personal finances. And the only way you can defend against it is to save money, invest money, um, and make sure that you you know spend less than you earn. And Peter Thornhill um, says it beautifully. He says, borrow less than what you can afford. Um, and that's why my personal rule about mortgages and and debt in general, well, debt in general is bad, I think, but mortgages, I understand you can't pay cash for a house, and I appreciate that, and a lot of people won't be able to afford to do that in Australia with the house prices the way it's going. But I have the 30% rule. That is, 30% of your after-tax income should be your monthly repayment for your mortgage. If you're if you're having more than 30% uh, of your after-tax income and you're putting it away for your rent or your mortgage, then you're in trouble. That means you have borrowed more than what you can chew off. So that is recession. That is the causes of recession and, you know, hopefully a little bit of evidence as to what might be coming our way in Australia. And I really hope not. I really hope Australia doesn't end up in a recession uh, for the sake of all Australians. And I really want to beat that Holland record, of course. Um, So that's recession. Now, what is a depression? I think it's important to talk about depression uh, in, in, in terms of a recession. Basically, a depression and, you know, think about what's happened in 1929, I think it was, when the Great Depression happened. A depression is basically a recession on steroids, and it often lasts for greater than three years. So it's for a prolonged period of time, uh, and we haven't really had one in a very, very long time in Australia. I think the last time was the Great Depression, which swept around the world, started in the US, of course. Um, and basically what happens during a depression is that the GDP declines in excess of 10%. Um, and I guess what what characterizes a depression, you have huge unemployment rates, you have um, credit, which basically stops, the available credit just drops significantly. So you can't borrow money. Um, Generally speaking, if you can't borrow money, it's bad for business. Economic output reduces by more than 10%. We've talked about that just before. Bankruptcies skyrocket. Governments start defaulting on their debts. And this is how whole countries go bankrupt, not just private businesses. There's reduced trade and there's reduced commerce. And there's sustained volatility in the currency markets. Um, so, you know, the last known depression, uh, in Australia was in the thirties. So 1929 was when it happened in the U S then it basically swept across the globe. Um, so wall street collapsed in 29 due to the greed, uh, surprise, surprise. Um, and there was huge unemployment, huge poverty, low profits, deflation. Uh, now if you want to learn more about inflation and deflation, uh, referred to one of my earlier podcasts, I've talked about it, um, in detail, Income start plunging and there's lost opportunities for economies. So you get decades of losses, basically. Australia was then heavily hit as a result of all this due to the reduction in production uh, of exports of wool and wheat uh, because people didn't want to buy it. And uh, as a result, unemployment reached a staggering 30% in Australia during the 1930s. 30%. One third of Australians weren't without a job. And GDP reduced by 10% between 1929 and 1931. And this also created civil unrest. Um, Why? Because people, you know, got frustrated with the government. Obviously, the government has failed them in their opinion. And that rise uh, uh, led to the rise of communism in Australia. Uh, That led to the rise of far-right movements. And democracy at itself was at risk 
during this period in Australia. It's hard to believe, but I guess if you have 30% unemployment rate, um, and if it happened today in Australia, then it's going to have a massive impact on people's mental health, um, people's civil liberties, um, and people will lose trust in the financial segment. People will lose trust in their government. And uh, it's not surprising that all these far-right groups um, started springing up um, in the 30s in Australia. So that's about it for this episode. So in this episode, we've talked about recession. We've talked about depression. Uh, it's a very morbid conversation to have, but it's a very important conversation to have um, coming up in the next three to six months uh, of Australian life. And um, hopefully this provides some insight into your own personal finances as to why you need to have those emergency funds, how to plan for dips, how to plan uh, for depressions and recessions uh, in the hope that we're planning for the worst but hoping for the best. That is the way to prepare for a pandemic. Um, and if you're one of the frontline workers, and that includes not just healthcare workers, that includes for the people at Coles and Woolies and the shopping centres that are stacking the shelves. Uh, if you don't do it, I can't eat. So I appreciate that. Um, always, always, always stay safe. Now remember uh, to like Devraga Personal Finance Facebook page. Um, shout out questions, comments, or topic suggestions via Facebook, SMS, or email if you have the channels to contact me. Share this channel with family and friends. That's castbox.fm app or Spotify or Google Podcast or directly via the website, devraga.com. And always, always, always pay yourself first. Remember the 20% of after-tax rule, pay yourself first. Keep investing. Do it for the long term. Reinvest dividends. Automate it. Um, and... Um, it's likely that you'll end up wealthier than you'd ever probably need to be. This is Devraga Personal Finance, Episode 70. And as always, and this is more relevant today than ever before, make sure you stay safe.